Where do you think you're going? Nobody's leaving. Nobody's walking out on this fun, old-fashioned family Christmas. No, no, we're in this together. I'm going to end the quote there. Those of you laughing, you may have realized that's Clark Griswold towards the end of National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, which is, in my opinion, the best Christmas movie ever. It's so good because everything goes so wrong. All Clark wants is a perfect, fun, old-fashioned family Christmas just like the ones he used to know. But the problem is Clark can't control the chaos all around him. His parents, the in-laws, cousin Eddie. The Christmas tree burns up. The turkey is overcooked. Clark's 250 strands of Christmas lights won't turn on. The Christmas bonus never arrives. Everything goes wrong. And Clark, who wants nothing more than the perfect Christmas, absolutely loses it. His wife, Ellen, tells him, Clark, I think it's best if everyone just goes home before things get worse. Worse? Clark says, how could things get any worse? Take a look around you, Ellen. Now, I imagine Clark isn't the only one to ever feel this way this time of year. Sometimes it doesn't matter how hard we try, that perfect, old-fashioned Christmas never comes. This time of year is so steeped in traditions, but when things change, when the traditions are broken, when the season is disrupted by the chaos around us, it's hard to imagine Christmas being the same ever again. Maybe the kids can't come home this year. Maybe mom's no longer there to make that dish she always made. Maybe there's no snow. Maybe there's too much snow. Maybe there's not enough money to buy the family what they asked for. Maybe you have to share the kids with your ex this year or with the in-laws this year. Every year more and more doesn't go right. More and more changes, traditions that were once held so dear that brought meaning and comfort that were the very reason for this season begin crumbling before us and we wonder how could things get any worse? Now, our text that Mary Jo read for us today comes from deep in the tradition of the Israelites, and yet it comes in a moment when everything that they had held on to, all of their traditions, everything they had known and loved that had been familiar and meaningful to them had been taken from them. The Babylonian Empire had invaded the kingdom of Judah. The temple was destroyed. Most Jewish families were forced to leave their homes, become captives in the land of Babylon, marched through the wilderness to their new home, one they did not choose. All their customs, their traditions, their way of life was threatened. Without the temple, well, where was their God? Without the land, where was their safety and comfort? How could they go on with their lives? How could things get any worse? But just when they're on the brink of despair, God sends a prophet. Now, up until this point in the book of Isaiah, the previous 39 chapters, the news had been mostly bad. Prophetic words of judgment given as explanation for the pain that the people suffer. This is punishment from God, the prophet said. 
This is what you have earned. You deserve this. When life begins to fall apart, this is where we usually turn, isn't it? It's our fault. We deserve this. We brought this on ourselves. How could we ever expect any comfort and joy? Just look at the mess we've made of our lives. But in chapter 40 of Isaiah, the book takes a different turn. In fact, really, this is the beginning of a completely different book. Now, in our Bible, it's all Isaiah, but scholars have studied it, and there's actually three books within the book we call Isaiah, written by three very different people. First, Isaiah, those first 39 chapters, contain the words of that prophet, Isaiah, and they were written at the beginning of the exile when judgment needed to be pronounced. The second Isaiah, which begins right here in chapter 40, were written anonymously while the people are still in Babylon. Later, you'll come to third Isaiah, written after the people return home. One book in our Bibles, but written by three different people in three very different times, times too far separated for one lifespan to have covered them all. The first Isaiah is all doom and gloom. There's glimmers of hope here and there, but the message is judgment. But here in chapter 40, this prophet is a preacher of good news. And our text this morning are the first words he speaks to his congregation. Comfort, comfort my people, says our God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem. Cry to her that she has served her term, that her penalty is paid. She has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. After reading the previous chapters, these words are surprising, jarring even. The normal message of judgment and blame that we expect is nowhere to be found. It is a message of hope, a message of peace, a word that cuts through the pain of the moment and promises that something new is dawning. Something we thought could never happen again. Comfort. Comfort. What's the word we need to hear this Advent? Comfort. Terrorist attacks, mass shootings becoming almost normal events in society. In schools, at clinics, at work, at home, San Bernardino, Colorado Springs, Syria, Paris. What's next? Is there anywhere we can be safe? How can we find comfort in times like this, knowing that the worst could happen at every moment, at any moment? See, terror is the enemy of comfort. It takes away illusions of safety. It causes us to shut off from other people. After all, who can you trust? The stranger may be the next suicide bomber or mass shooter. It's not worth the risk. Best to blame all Muslims, as some ministers have done recently. Distrust anyone who is different and arm yourselves to the max. Better safe than sorry. Terror is the enemy of comfort, but the prophet speaks into terror and says, Comfort, comfort, oh my people, this is what God says. And the comfort that the prophet brings is not fake and sentimental. It doesn't need old-fashioned Christmas traditions to work. It doesn't need an army or a political party or even an arsenal to bring. It doesn't need anything or anybody. For the, glass, for the grass withers, it says. The flower fades. And all these things, all our traditions, our illusions of safety, everything and everyone we trust in, they are 
like grass. They wither. They cannot be expected to bring the comfort we need. But this is a word of good news. Good news to people in exile. These things we have lost, well, the hurt is real. The things that are gone, they leave a hole, a pain that we can feel. Our comfort, though, is found in none of these things. Our comfort, our hope, our peace, this all is rooted in God. And God doesn't need a temple or tradition or anything or anyone to bring God's comfort. Once we stop looking at everything that is not God to save us, then and only then will we begin to find the comfort in the only one who can save us. It's only after we have lost these idols of safety and tradition and self-protection and everything being perfect and just the way it's supposed to be, only then can we begin the hard work of preparing for God to come. Only then are the mountains of indifference brought low, the valleys of fear leveled off. And right in the midst of the uncertainty and terror, a highway of peace is being paved. And the prince of peace is on his way. This is a comfort that will carry you through whatever chaos life may bring your way. This is the comfort that carries you by the bedside when loved ones are sick. This is the comfort that carries you through the unspeakable when children die too early, when people we love and their lives are just ripped away from us. This is the comfort that carries you through whatever pain and transitions that life may bring your way through divorce, through grief, through job loss, through struggles, through sickness. Whatever it is, it will carry you. It's not a comfort that always promises to fix everything. But it's a comfort that is always there after everything else has faded. When everything else fails at saving us. When everything in life may forsake us. When there is nothing left to do and we think it cannot get any worse. God is there. God is the only constant. And God will never leave you nor forsake you. Hear the words of the prophet this Advent season. And climb up on a mountain, church. Lift your voice, O people of God. Do not fear. Say to the people, here is your God. See, the Lord God, the Lord God comes with might. And God's arm rules for him. His reward is with him. And his recompense before him. God will feed his flock like a shepherd. God will gather the lambs in his arms and carry them in his bosom. And gently lead the mother sheep home. Comfort. Comfort, oh my people, says your God. Amen. Let us come to the table of the Lord now as we sing, it came upon a midnight clear, verses 1 and 4 of number 153.